Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that post the next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mears. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, all right. Well, these are the fun ones. I mean, this is what it's all about. Oof. It's Monday, September 21st, 2020, where Ken Flo is, where I am. It's Tuesday, September 22nd. Year still 2020. It's 2 o'clock in the morning here in Abu Dhabi. Good to have you with us. Episode 268 of the Anik and Florian podcast. Ken Flo coming to you live from Iraqi BJJ there in Santa Monica, California, I believe. What's up, kid? Yes, sir. Uh, here, here, in, uh, here in Santa Monica, California, uh, and excited to talk about these fights, man. This is such a great card. I've been looking forward to this card for a long time. Uh, you are a very busy man, my friend. Uh, wh- when did you get into Abu Dhabi? So 
it's hard for me to answer those questions. Like, I really <laughs> yeah, don't two even days know. Ago, but three it days was, ago. Yeah, it was the morning. Yeah. I'm in the middle of a 48-hour quarantine right now. So right. I slept from 5 p.m. to about 10.30 p.m., got up to prepare the podcast, and uh, wow. here we are. So, yeah, I mean, this is not going to be my cleanest episode of that, I can assure you. <laughs> but a, a lot to get to today, obviously, and we'll start with headlines, and we'll recap Covington Woodley. And uh, I'm dying to know what you think about Adesanya Costa and which side of that fight you are going to fall on. Um, and we know you keep picking your friends, so it didn't work out for you with Tyron Woodley. Kepler's <laughs> got to stop picking his friends if he wants to win the main event challenge. I mean, that's how Leave me alone, man. No, Leave me alone. And hey, you know, I think there was value it on was Tyron, tough. plus 290 in some respects if he had uh, really gone for it. But let's talk about this main event and, yep. uh, and shine the spotlight on Colby Covington for being the elite welterweight that he is. And I just feel like his style is supremely problematic for a lot of fighters. He was able to get a TKO against Tyron Woodley. Uh, Gilbert Burns and Kamar Usman can't lay claim to that. I know it was because of a broken rib in some part, but uh, Covington, a very hard guy to put away, a tremendous pressure game. I do like his alignment with MMA Masters. What did you think of Covington's performance against T. Wood? Uh, this was another classic Colby Covington performance that was backed by motivation, hunger, energy, uh, a willingness to try to get back and, and try to get another shot at Kamaru Usman. Um, you know, again, I'm just blown away by his ability to keep a pace for 20, 25 minutes and actually get stronger as the fight goes on. It's unbelievable. Um, and I thought it was a really clean performance from him. D did he actually get hit with big shots? I don't know if he did. Um, and I thought he was able to really take Tyron Woodley completely out of his game. Um, again, I, I don't know if Tyron's performance was really backed by energy, motivation, hunger necessarily, but either way, it does not matter. You, you, you go in there with what you have, and Kobe Covington was just playing better than Tyron Woodley that night, uh, and he looked like a guy who might be able to get that belt in that, in that very difficult division. There's a mental tough toughness, Kenny, to this kid that really jumps out at me. And even going into the Robbie Lawler fight, he had a nasty cut that really limited his ability to spar. And the kid goes out and throws 541 strikes over Crazy. 25 minutes. Now, I don't believe he's had a knockdown since 2016. I think Cody Merrow sent me that stat over the weekend, right? So I saw a lot of power in the Kamar Usman fight. But Kamar was able to eat those shots. So maybe mm -hmm. that isn't power. You know, mm -hmm. people have called him pillow fisted in the past. I don't necessarily see it that way. But uh, I think there are a lot of competitive matchups for Colby Covington because Gilbert Burns is going to be next for uh, for Kamar Usman. Who would you like to see Colby face? I mean, for me, I don't know if the Leon Edwards fight is going to happen. Jorge Masvidal makes a lot of sense. But for me and Colby Covington right now, if it's not going to be a title shot, it's got to be one of those two guys, Gamebred or, or Leon Edwards, right? I think so. You know, as far as excitement level, I mean, clearly the Jorge Masvidal fight uh, well, would be huge just based on that whole story between those two. Uh, they looked like they were best friends at one point. Now they are bitter enemy, bitter enemies. And uh, who doesn't love that that storyline? Yeah. I think people always get excited about that. Um, and I, I think that that would really deliver as far as, you know, where both those guys are at, at their, in their careers right now. So I think that's a fight that makes a whole lot of sense. Leon Edwards, obviously a fantastic fighter. Um, and I think it would be another great fight against Colby Covington. But as far as, you know, are we talking about the business of fighting for the right, business right. of fighting Jorge Masvidal, uh, probably makes more sense for someone like Colby Covington. 
I've told this story on this show before, but once I was flying from Miami to Dallas and I was sitting in coach right behind Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. Gamebred was in the middle seat. Colby was on the aisle. Best of friends. I mean, really close, those two. So that backdrop now, I think, makes for a super compelling matchup. Leon Edwards just might be the most avoided man at 170 pounds right now. So I do hope that a big fight materializes for him. Quickly, I just want to acknowledge the MMA Masters coaches before we move on to some some other things, Covington and Woodley-related Daniel Valverde, in terms of his Brazilian jiu-jitsu can flow, I know you respect it, and the judo as well. And then Cesar Carnero, his Muay Thai and striking coach. You know, Amanda Nunes, it's not out of the realm of possibility that she stays with MMA Masters and goes on to become the greatest women's mixed martial arts athlete of all time. And I do think that you're under this American top team cloud in South Florida, and it's hard to sort of get credit. So I just kind of wanted to acknowledge those two guys off the top. I don't know if you have anything to add on that, but I think Colby deserves credit for making a quick pivot. He knew that perhaps Poirier and other guys really were going to lay down the law in terms of his return to American top team. So he leaves and found the right guys. Yeah, and we, we listen. We've talked about this before, where you know sometimes uh, being a big name fighter, being at a big name gym, doesn't always mesh well. You, what we're looking for a lot of times when when we're looking for a good camp is attention. It is having a lot of coaches that are going to cater their schedule and their training for you. When you're at a lot of these big gyms, it's hard to get the attention of, of the coaches and get the times that you want. And being in these big rooms where everyone's training and doing the same thing, it might not be the best thing for you. So um, I think once you get more money and you have the ability to kind of really make these very uh, training specific type camps, um, I think that's always going to benefit the fighter. And I think in this case, being over at MMA Masters, Colby can definitely get way more attention than he probably would at ATT. And obviously he was having, you know, it goes a lot deeper than just that. I think yes. obviously there's a lot of controversy over, you know, what he was saying and, and his beef with, with the other fighters. Um, but I, I do think that if we're going to judge him on this performance and how he's working with MMA Masters and how that's going, right. I, I think I would give him a solid A on, on what we yeah. saw pretty seamless transition. And I will also say Nate Diaz might be my favorite fighter on the roster, but a fight between Covington and Masvidal right now, to me, seems exponentially more compelling than a rematch between Gamebred and Nathan Diaz. Uh, Tyron Woodley, I don't know if it's the painkillers, Kenny, but he seems to be in a pretty good emotional place right now, despite the fact that he hasn't won a mixed martial arts round in two years dating to the Darren Till fight. What are your thoughts on T. Wood? You know, he was born April 7th, 1982. He's 38 years old. Uh, the show money's still pretty good. I think this would be a pretty sour note on which to go out. You think we'll see at least one more from T. Wood or what? I imagine that he would probably like to get at least one more in there. Um, you know, Tyron has been wildly successful both in and out of the cage. But um, I, I think that if I'm a fighter, I wouldn't want to end my career on that one necessarily. Um, now, if he doesn't want to fight uh, and he doesn't have that same kind of motivation and hunger uh, to move forward, then I, I don't know if that's the best idea. Now, I, I said this on, on the last podcast, and I say this with love because I, I really do love Tyron. He's an awesome individual, uh, a great human being, and a fantastic fighter, obviously, with everything that he's accomplished. But if you can't get up and perform against someone like a Colby Covington um, and you can't let your hands go. And that's been kind of the knock on Tyron right. the last few fights. And you can't do that for someone like Colby Covington. Then maybe it is time to, to, to hang it up because right. again, at the end of the day, and this is where I'm coming from. I don't want to see any fighter, let alone a guy that I'm, you know, that I really admire 
uh, get hurt in the octagon. It, it's just not the place to be. If your mindset isn't 100% on fighting and being hungry and going out there to kick some ass, if you're not in that mindset, you shouldn't be in the octagon. It's not for you. You're going to get hurt. He's got he's got a family to worry about. Uh, I know there's a lot of other things outside of the octagon that he wants to do uh, and that he can do because he is a very smart guy. Um why put yourself through that? Why put yourself through that? He's already been a champion of this sport, and I feel like the trigger just isn't being pulled at this point, and, and that concerns me. You're speaking a lot of truths as usual, and I don't believe he was necessarily willing to be knocked out on a napkin in the center of the octagon and be twitching on the canvas in this type of rivalry matchup. And some would argue in his last two fights, there's been a lot of conservatism that has defined those performances as well. But uh, I do, I did think, you know, someone asked me from a betting perspective, I said, you know, Covington plus 500 by knockout mm. might be enticing because T Wood could go for it and get knocked out, you know, but yeah. largely he uh, was hesitant once again for whatever reason and uh, a good dude that, that we respect a lot, obviously, and we'll see what's next for T Wood. All right, Longo coming up in about three minutes. First, though, Hamzat Chimaev. I, I have a funny feeling this will be the last time you don't see him in a co-main event or a main event. I think there are a lot of pay-per-view dates in his future. And people who think that there's that this is solely promotional hyperbole and not a ton of, of UFC championship ability. You're just not paying attention. I mean, Kemflo, Dom and I, Dominic Cruz and I spent 25 minutes talking about this right hand after the fact, the speed with which he got that hand to the target, uh, was pretty incredible. That's what Dominic was most impressed with. Uh, I know you've got plenty of things to wax poetic on, uh, on the biggest breakout star of 2020. Well, first of all, I, I love the fact that he went out there, uh, and, got it done on the feet, right? Because we knew that was a possibility from him. Um, but this just adds yet another scary wrinkle in his game. And again, for me, that's a natural 170 pounder. That's a dude right. who's a welterweight right. and he's going up in weight against a guy who has way more experience than him and just starched him one shot, sat him on his ass. And, and it was crazy. You know, Again, I don't think Mearshart did him did himself any favors. Uh, it, it seemed like Gerald was intimidated. He backed him up, uh, put himself in a bad spot, uh, saw the punch coming, and then really didn't do too much about it. Now, yeah, that there's a fast punch coming on the other side of things, but defensively, Mearshart just didn't do himself any favors. Um, I thought it was Mearshart's ability to or a lack of ability uh, of defending himself properly. And also if you're going out there and you're talking trash a little bit back and you're trying to get in Chimaev's head and you're saying certain things, I mean, at least do something, man, like bite the right. guy, scratch right. him, something right. like, oh, got I, you know, it looked like he was like really hesitant and letting Chimaev just run the, run the dance on him. And you can't do that as a professional fighter, especially a dude who's smaller than you. Like you're going to let that, that smaller guy bully you. Either yeah. way, Chimaev is a powerful individual uh, yeah. who went out there and won that fight with an exclamation point. The the bad thing, just to wrap this up a little bit, okay? Yeah. He's he's unbelievable, but still, I wanted to have a little bit more information, a little bit more intel on Chimaev. He's not letting us get more information because he's fucking destroying everybody way too quickly. So the great thing is, He's got some stand-up. The bad thing is I'm not sure if we have any more information other than knockout power uh, on Hamzat. So I think that that story is still unfolding uh, before us, and I think we'll find out way more information 
with this fight against Damian Maya. All right, let me give you some information, at least what I have, that you might cool. find of interest. So he wanted the towel for the weigh-in, right? But ultimately, he got to the scale. He was 185 and a half, I believe, okay. and he didn't need it, okay? Yep. And I'm, I agree with you. I think that he is a welterweight fighter. Uh, but I, I don't think it's going to be super easy for him to be making 71, 5, 6, 7, 8, On 9 times turnaround. necessarily. Frame-wise, though— He's bigger than you think, I would say. But okay. also, he wasn't necessarily in the midst of a training camp here, right? You know, like yes. this happened very quickly. He had to get his ass to Las Vegas. So I am supremely confident if he gets a couple weeks, four or six weeks for Damian Maia at 170 pounds, the aesthetic for me when he shows up on weigh-in day will be different. But this is not a small welterweight. Uh, this, this guy's got some some size and uh, the confidence. Unbelievable. This 26 year old man just trotting out there, all the pressure in the world, minus 450 favorite. And uh, yeah, we're going to see more in the future, but the early returns on Kamzat Chimaev are quite good. And we will certainly get Longo's take on, uh, on boars. He might have to change his nickname to smash here in the not too distant future, but support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from the official electric razor of UFC manscape. Manscaped truly has everything you need to keep your package nice and tidy. It is the best company in the world when it comes to men's below-the-belt grooming. My Lawnmower 3.0 is with me here in the United Arab Emirates right now, and I'm not afraid to admit it. Manscaped has also partnered with a lot of top-tier MMA athletes. Brian T-City, Ortega among them. He fights here on Fight Island. Fight Island, many others who understand that hygiene matters. They also know what it takes to be the best. And so does this revolutionary men's grooming company, Manscaped. They just redesigned the Lawnmower 3.0, featuring a great ceramic blade with proprietary advanced skin-safe technology. I'm telling you, accidents are going to become a thing of the past. And big picture, if you're out there and you're viewing this or you're watching, you're listening, if you're a man, you're using that same trimmer on your face that you're using down there, like, is that what you're doing? Because we don't want you doing that. So if you don't want to do that anymore and you want 20% off with free shipping, go to manscaped.com right now and use the promo code AF. That's promo code AF for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All right, let's get to Raymond Peter Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. You know, this fucking guy's got a lot of nerve. Thanks to Steve Lee for coming in and successfully getting Ray Longo on Skype. But we do this live to tape, like a live radio show, essentially. So Longo was supposed to be on the air eight minutes ago. So when he has time, Ken Flo, to sit his ass down in that chair, then he will join us for the rest of the Ray Longo minute. But we were talking about Hamza Chimaev, who loves to strike, right? I mean... The, the grappling credentials obviously never lost a minute or whatever on the wrestling mats, but he likes to strike and uh, certainly has a pretty potent right hand. I mean, what do you think they're going to they're gonna do with him? I mean, he looks ready for top five competition to me. I mean, some think that's a stretch. If not top five, he's certainly going to get somebody in that top 10 or 12. Maybe Maya. What do you think about the immediate future for Shimaev? You know, I, I'm always of the side of, of, caution or just kind of slowing your roll a little bit even though even though chimaev is showing some high level skills you still need that experience and i think having that experience is what's going to allow you uh to really not only get the belt but hold on to that belt for a long time i'm not saying he can't do it already it's possible that he is just that damn good Um, but from what we've seen, he's got the skills. There's no doubt about it. He has the mindset. What he doesn't have is the experience. So I think, you know, taking the right fights, building up his resume a little bit, getting that octagon time, because 
Right now he's winning, but he's not getting right. octagon time because he's right. just smoking everybody. So right. yeah, I do think that he could start to fight against the guys who are in the top 15, uh, no doubt about it, maybe even the top 10. And I also, I start salivating when I think about him against a Kamara Usman. And what gets me even more excited is him against Israel Adesanya. Right. You talk right. about matchups, dude. I mean, how do you not give him a chance uh, based on his wrestling skill uh, and his ability to be able to deal with the striking? So uh, there's just a lot of upside on him. Uh, I'm really curious to see what the UFC does. And, dude, if you want me to slow my roll on Hamza Chimaev, I will. What he does have now is the third fastest knockout in UFC middleweight history. But I look at, like, Reza Madati, right, UFC veteran, and Alexander Gustafson. His coaches and teammates on social media are responding to these performances like, dude, you're not human. Like, holy shit, we got a UFC champion on our hands. Like, I think they knew early on. We told the story on last week's show about how he went to Stockholm, Sweden, and took himself to all-stars, and the rest is history. But I think they know they have somebody very special. And, uh, yeah, there are a lot of guys in that middleweight top five who are like, yeah, come get some. But I just think it's a fascinating story right now. And in terms oh, of the press go. conference, hey, Holy nice to see you. Oh, nice of you to show up, Ray. Hey, I need a bathroom break. Sorry, that, that might be the first of many today. Well, I like what the longer alignment T-shirt. About the only excuse that, that would have passed would have been a bathroom break. We are <laughs> live. It's nice to see you. Thank God for Steve Lee. Steve Lee saved the day. What, what was the problem? I don't know what the problem is. I know the solution uh, is that you're in the seat now. So we were just ripping. We already played the Ray Longo minute drop. We've just been waiting. And I wasn't here. Yeah. Did the listeners really want to know? Did the listeners want to know why Ray wasn't on this? Longo's Longo's taking his shit. Where is he? (laughs) Come on, guys. What do you got to have? Ray is looking how to turn on his Wi-Fi because (laughs) that's why he wasn't available on the show. You look lighter. You look lighter, by the way. You look great. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So – so it's 2.30 in the morning here on Fight Island. I, I've spent a lot of time with your buddy, Matt Serrer, at least prior to the 48-hour quarantine. Sorry, and sorry, to, we are. sorry to hear that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very yeah. sorry to hear that. Did he tell so, you the same story over and over again? <laughs> he doesn't eat the gluten. I don't eat the gluten. I'm gluten-free. Uh, is it gluten-free? Gluten, gluten, gluten. <laughs> is that what I you heard? heard? Was it something like that? Similar? I've heard that gluten story a lot at this uh, point. Of course so, you yes, did. I've heard all That's about true. it because he's what's known in time the, I, he's what's known in the business as a repeater. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Every time I talk about pizza in a positive way, he brings me down with this gluten-free cauliflower uh, crust nonsense. So before you came on, Ray, we were talking about Hamzat Shimaev, and yeah. you cornered Chris Weidman to several middleweight championship title fight wins in the UFC. And I think Kenny and I feel like Shimaev is a more natural champion at 70, but he still is a big guy for welterweight for me. But uh, are you as bullish on Hamza Chimaev as maybe I am, or are you waiting to see a little bit more? Uh, no, I, after the other night, I'm definitely bullish on him for sure. Uh, I, I really wanted to see him get tested a little bit. I thought Mershot would, you know, I thought it was going to be, I wanted to see him hit a little adversity, see what he had. But I'll tell you one thing, man, he's, He's got the desire. He looks like he's got everything. I mean, even even though it was short, man, that was a beautiful right hand. He's not hesitating. He's I mean, so the things that we saw in a short period of time from this guy are really, really good. So he's definitely coming to fight. He's not doesn't look like he's going away easy. And I think that's a huge, huge thing for him. 
So Kenny and Ray, I know he was short winded with me in the post fight interview, but he was anything but at the the presser. I don't know if you guys saw this, right? But yeah. he basically was asking Gerald to retire if he was able to submit it. You know, Gerald's like, yeah, yeah. you know, hey, do I get a wrestling trophy if I double leg take down you? And the Kamzat's like, double leg take down me. It's like, don't what you think you're gonna double leg? You know, I just yeah. think that he, as his English improves. He's got that value, too. He stole the goddamn show at the press conference. And, of course, you didn't have Colby and Tyron face-to-face like you wanted. So, I don't know. I'm all but, in chips. But I, I, yeah, I think it's his lack of English that really makes that. Yeah, yeah. Real, that right. really makes the show, believe it or not. Because when they have to search for words, because I see it with a lot of guys, even I train, it, it, it brings another sense of realism to it. You know what I mean? They're not, they don't have the vocabulary to even bullshit. They just have to keep it simple. And that's what I love about even Khabib. If you ever hear him answer questions, just very honest and down to earth and humble and everything, you know? So, you know, I see you with Marab. They just cut, they cut right to the chase. You know, they don't have any other option and I love it. I think, and I think that's what you hear from this guy. We, he's sincere in whatever he's saying. And it comes out funny because we're not used to, you know, the way he speaks a little bit, but I think he's perfect the way he is. I love it. Brother, brother, I just want to kill, brother. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I just want to kill. You know, Ray, you kind of alluded to something, and I think – um, you know, it's an important thing because I kind of said the same thing is that we learn way more about a fighter – um, you know, when they deal with adversity and we haven't seen that yet, because at the end of the day, and I'm not saying this isn't the case, he could very well be the most game guy to enter the octagon, but we don't know what he's made out of yet. We haven't seen him struggle. We haven't seen him drop. We haven't seen him bloodied, bloodied up. I, I, my, I imagine that he'll respond well, but experiencing that in training maybe, or in other aspects of your life and experiencing that in the UFC's octagon, when you know the pressure is on is something that's just different so right. I- i'm curious to see how how he would r- respond in in a tough fight yeah i'm just saying if i had to profile him now at this stage of the game i'm kind of liking everything i'm seeing and hearing that that's all and yeah. that, that's yep. still premature obviously right. but there's like, again, there's a sense of these guys want to fight that's the first thing you know because we we could segue this into like uh you know Woodley against Covington. I, I just doesn't seem like Woodley. He, he doesn't have that. Like, well, let's go. Come on. This guy wants to fight every day. It's for real. He's not just saying it. He's doing it. And that's when you're coming up, that's the attitude you need. So I'm liking everything I'm hearing and seeing. Yeah. Uh, like, again, he, he threw a beautiful right hand, had the guy moving right into it. I mean, he's not. That's not a lucky punch. You know what I mean? He must have had some zap on it because he put away a guy that I think is pretty durable. Uh, So they have to step him up a little bit and uh, and and we'll see what happens to him. But these guys, the guys that really want to fight and are enjoying it, those are the guys that are are, are a problem at this point. Well, I can't wait to see just going in for a paycheck. That's that's what I'm kind of saying. Like there's right. You know, what scared me with Woodley was that, you know, he just. His corner was giving him great advice. He just couldn't do it. And you know he can do it. As a corner, you know he could do it. Look, he looked physically fit. You know, he's been there before. He was a champion. But, man, he's just yeah, – he's struggling. We've talked about this a million times, Kenny. I don't know what the answer is. I've experienced it. But when you can't respond to the things that are being told to you, I think that's not a – that's a really bad sign. Yeah, I'm not sure that, that- – 
the desire is still there. And we talk a lot about George St. Pierre, Kenny, your, your longtime friend and training partner, not liking fight night. Right. But that's a different thing than we're dealing with here. Right. Oh, George St. Pierre in his competitive prime never liked fight night, but that doesn't mean he didn't uh, have what he needed once that door was locked behind him. Absolutely. Listen, experiencing fear, experiencing an uneasiness about the situation is one thing. Being able to deal with it and collect yourself and face that challenge with courage and say, you know what, I'm going to go out there and just let it fly. Um, we're just not seeing that from Tyron. And, 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 you know, at the end of the day, George St. Pierre was able to collect that nervousness and put out some of the best performance we have ever seen. And he became... Yep perhaps the greatest champion that we've ever seen. So it, it's tough. It's really tough to see it, especially when it's your friend. And, um, you know, uh, I guess he's got some soul searching to do. And, uh, you know, it, it'd be nice to see Tyron either, you know, just end his career or end his career on a high note and, and yeah. compete the way that I think everybody knows he can. Yeah. Yeah. And G and GSP, look, it almost became part of his pre-fight ritual. It's kind of legendary that he would, you know, I think people – experienced if they've been in the dressing room well you know why am i doing this you know he he would but he it was part of his is almost like part of his shtick in a sense and then he would go out and perform so he's a good guy to talk to if you think that's what's happening but i think this is no i don't totally different don't. yeah oh yeah and i'm just saying yeah but i'm saying i think this right. is totally different with these guys uh i i yeah i don't know it's a it's a weird bit like everybody's got Everybody has anxiety, I think, before the fight. I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story. They had, uh, I had when Drago fought Phil Baroni, I was in the dressing room. I think it was Paul Bonatello. And I just hear the guy, he's throwing up in the bathroom. I mean, he is hacking. I'm like, I don't know who the hell I said. I go, man, dude, we got to, somebody's got to talk to. I mean, I didn't even know anybody. You know what I mean? Like it was, somebody's got, no, nah, no, nah, he does this all the time. He goes, yeah. he does this all the time. It's just, and I mean, he was dry heaving in the bathroom. To me, you know, we were just new in the game, and I'm like, wow, this is this can't yeah. be good. But it was part of his thing, man. So, yeah. you know, I think those I are different up, things. You know, so. I threw up before a few high school basketball games. I'm not afraid to admit it. You know, didn't necessarily parlay that into a great performance like some of these guys are able to do. But <laughs> uh, hey, putting a bow on Kamzat Chimaev. Don't be surprised if your boy Chris Weidman ends up on the short list of, of names that they present to Hamza uh, Chimaev or vice versa. So uh, fascinated, ready to see how you guys prepare for that monster, you know? Yeah, I, I tell you, I would, I would like that now. I mean, catch him yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, that's yeah. not a bad, that's not a bad yeah. fight at all. Because, you know, uh, that would be good. I, w- I, w- I would like that as a coach. I know you. You got anything for us on Colby Covington before we move on? Just a, a brilliant fighter to me. And uh, there's so much to this total package, right? And I know that he upset a lot of people this weekend. I just sometimes wish people could see the way he is in our fighter meeting, Ken Flo, right? Because he's just dripping with respect and he's so technical and giving us all this amazing stuff for the broadcast. And he's just a totally different guy. And, uh, you know, I think maybe in some respects you could argue he took the act too far this weekend, Ray. But in terms of the in-octagon stuff, which is what our listeners care about the most, this guy's fucking awesome to watch and as good as any welterweight in the world, in my opinion. Yeah, look, look, he's he's proven he's coming to fight. You know, there's no, uh, you know, he's got a great gas tank. Uh, that fight with Usman was, I maybe, I don't, I don't remember. I mean, it was a great fight going back and forth, going into that fifth round. Anything could have happened. Uh, he's right where he wants to be. 
And uh, it looks like, you know, he might be, you know, he, he we got to see if he can make the adjustments, but I'd like to see Usman and Kobe again. I think he, he proved it with this, this win. And uh, yeah, he's, you, you know what you're getting into when you fight Kobe. He's, he's coming, he's coming to fight and he's going to do the same stuff over and over again. And uh, he get and he can, and he's good at it. So, you know what he's, 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 he definitely earned his right to a, another title shot as far as I'm concerned. What, 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 what were people mad at him for? Well, I think just there were some uh, racial overtones with his uh, back and forth with Kamara Usman. But, uh, but oh, again, it's like, do we spend five minutes on that or do we talk about Mackenzie Dern? You know what I'm no, saying? Like, we you, have man. Joe Osborne coming up in 10 minutes. So, Ken Flo, Duke Rufus said to me after this fight in Paul Felder's room, that he feels like jujitsu in the women's game is just a paramount importance because the power doesn't necessarily define the women's divisions as a generalization. Uh, and when it comes to jujitsu, man, I could watch Mackenzie Dern all day. And now the preparation is aligning with the ability uh, to look like a future champion to me, Ken Flo. Lead us off on Mackenzie Dern, if you would. I, I certainly think Duke has a point there. Um, I, I also think time plays a huge factor into, into it. Her mom is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Her dad is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. She's been doing jiu-jitsu shit since probably before she could walk. So how many women in mixed martial arts have that kind of experience? And I know it's just one domain. How many have that at a world-class level? Everyone, there's a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts now. Very few world championship level Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts like Mackenzie Dern. The same advantage that, uh, you know, Ronda Rousey had, um, you know, some girl who did high school wrestling or someone who meddled right. in the Olympics. It's, it's right. just a whole different ball of wax. And Mackenzie Dern has that advantage and always will have that advantage. And I also say, you know, it, it look, we didn't see a whole lot of her on the feet, but she is looking sharper than what we've seen in the past. She looked like she was in better shape. I think she's maturing as a human and as a, as a professional athlete now. So I think it's coming together for her at the right time, but she was nonstop attacking that girl. I mean, no, no matter what. And, and you love to see it. That is just a fluidity and an understanding that very few women in that division will ever have. Yeah. Well, I mean, by far the best woman I've ever seen doing jujitsu. And again, I think Kenny alluded to a lot of stuff, but she gets it. I think that's the key. Like she's telling you the way she's talking is like, you're talking with one of those old school Brazilian instructors, you know, like when, when we, everybody first started doing jujitsu, Kenny, like she's explained, she made the adjustments. I was, you know, she didn't, I pointed the thumb down. Then I moved to the, she, exactly. He spoke in a way that to me, and I'm not, and again, it's going to come off crazy as a, like as a woman, that, that's scary. Like she gets it. She looked, I was blown away by again. Yeah. The chaining or the fluidity, whatever you want to call it. She, uh, she was good. That was no question what I'm looking at. That was special. That was really, really special. And like Kenny says, those, those, her father was a really well-known uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu ba black belt back in the day when there wasn't many around, right? Megaton Diaz, is that a father? Yes, exactly. And I know, like, years ago when I, I was bringing in a guy, Pedro Sauer, who's just, an, well, I think, Hickson's first black belt. What a great guy. And Kenny, if you ever get a chance to meet him, if you haven't, what I mean, I really missed the guy. I hope he's listening, but was a was a great guy. He'd come out and do seminars. But Megaton Diaz was the other guy I think we were looking at. There really wasn't many people. So those 
they start young, man. Like you see all the old videos with the Gracies. You could be two or three. They're bouncing you. You know, they're bouncing you around. They, they, she's got great lineage. And she, like, again, she gets it. <laughs> she really gets it. And I, I thought, like you said, John, I could watch her all day long. You know what I mean? And she, she's special. So a couple things very quickly on Mackenzie Dern. Please do yourself the service of watching her jujitsu match against Gabby Garcia. Just Google it. Gabby Garcia, 100 pounds north of Mackenzie Dern. I won't spoil the result for you. I've watched it probably 10 times by now. Also, Ken Flo, when I sat down to interview Mackenzie Dern prior to her UFC debut against Ashley Yoder in March of 2018. She said she wanted to win the UFC title, defend it, and then go back to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Now, I don't know if that still holds, but I thought it was very interesting to hear that at the time. She aligned with Jason Perillo four weeks ago. I think we're all excited to see the striking stride she makes. We didn't see a lot of that because out of we didn't need to out of necessity, but Quick story. I guess one of her ex-coaches at Black House like got into a physical altercation with her husband, and that's why she moved on from Black House and is under the Ruka roof there with Jason Perillo. So it seems like a good alignment for Mackenzie Dern with Jason Perillo. Hey, Ray, in the nature of time, I got to get to you on the Nevada State Athletic Commission and the situation with Jessica Rose Clark and Sarah Alpar. Certainly not making it any easier on the broadcasters when they're essentially trying to change their rule set in the middle of the fucking evening. Yeah. Um those who didn't see it, it was a legal knee uh, that was paused by the referee Chris Tognoni and deemed an illegal knee. He had the benefit of replay, and then he resumed the fight. It should have been a TKO at that point in time. He's had several issues. He is one of these referees that loves to stop fights late, be a hero, and see the other guy rally. Um, bad night for the uh, NSAC, Ray. Yeah, I mean, if I tell you, I'm just totally confused. I have no, I didn't know what I was looking at. Uh, John, we could talk about it. Can know, I like, just yeah. tell you one thing then? Yeah. yeah so yeah. basically, I read on broadcast, Kenflo. So replay can be called upon, but only to look at a fight ending sequence. Once replay is called for, that particular fight cannot be restarted. Now the Nevada State Athletic Commission is saying that the fight can be restarted. And that rule was essentially changed mid-flight and was not in writing. So <laughs> now they can call on replay and restart the fight. Uh, a comedy of errors, right? No, it's a listen. I look. I I I don't know, man. I don't want to go uh, off the deep end uh, again. You know, we've been here, we've been down this rabbit hole how many times, man, and nothing's yeah. happening. But kangaroo court is that appropriate? I mean, just yeah. changing stuff on the fly. I had no idea what was happening. Like, right, right. Like I, I just, have a hot microphone, and I'm not so sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't even know. Like, did somebody tell him it was a legal knee? Is that what happened? And he just arbitrary you see bruce buffer running at everybody scurrying out of the well, ring i don't the know what buffer's doing in there the but but right it, it was very confusing it seemed as though he he caught a replay on an uh, an arena monitor and then recognized that sarah alpar's rear end was not on the canvas and then tried to reverse course and it was disastrous yeah well, no i just don't kenny i'm telling you this stuff is it, it, it's not even making the mistake. There's no correction. There's no accountability. We always say, use the word accountability. Can we just hear from these people so we know what's going on? I, I don't, I'm, every time I go off the, the rails on this, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a hater. I'm a, you know, I'm a complainer, a crybaby. It's not just my guys. It's, it's everybody. I just, I, what do you do? I, you, you, I, I don't know. It's it's frustrating. That's why I can't even 
speak yeah. of it. I don't know what I was. I don't know what I was looking at. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, no explanation. And and and, on, and honestly, it, that's a hard call to make because the ras looked like it was on the floor. What was it? An eighth of an inch. I mean, so that part you could understand. You could make a mistake easy. That what followed after that was looked like insanity to me. Yeah, and here's here's my issue with the whole thing. There's two major things that that come out yeah. of this uh, decision. Was you know, first of all, so do we just stop the fight after any possible yeah. controversial blow? Like if it's and kind of in the back of the head, I can just stop the fight at any time. Go check out the video. Go back. Oh, sorry, okay, you guys keep fighting. Like <laughs> what happened to the other guy who had the momentum from that fight? Right. That is just ridiculous. Okay, that's the first thing that's really concerning because now it sets a precedent that really could actually change the sport moving forward, okay? And yeah. and number two, uh, as far as uh, the referee and all that stuff, like, so the only people responsible that have to basically, um, you know, deal with an unfortunate circumstance is the, are the fighters. There's no, yeah. there's no, there's no, um, you know, repercussions for the referees or the judges or anything. Zero. It's all on the fighters. If you get screwed, you get screwed. But a referee can make a bad decision, go back, essentially erase it. They'll change the rules that night. I mean, it's silliness. It's silliness uh, no, it's, uh, it's, from the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Sorry, but that's just a fact. This, yeah. is, this is crazy, man. I mean, all just make a decision and do the right thing. It's not that hard to do. But there's a, there's got to. They're be never a, at fault. They're never at fault. You'll never, never I mean, hear a commission guy say, oh, we made a mistake or this and that. It's horrible. But, but, no, the, but the fighters are the ones who's going to have that L by their name. And I heard that uh, that kid from Boston against uh, Ed Herman, I heard his appeal was turned down. Won't even hear the appeal. Like, I, I just like. Crazy. I thought that was a no-brainer. Just overturn it. Rule it. The other guy won. Period. And that was that was the same referee. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, unfor yeah. What a what a what a unfortunate look. The only worst thing that could have happened to him this week is that Alpar came back and beat you know knocked out or choked out uh, Jessica Rose Clark. But what I didn't like in that fight too is that fight. The fight was over even without anything. I mean that fight should have been stopped. She wasn't yeah. going to win that fight. And that's where it gets a little wacky. Like they could have even went to the replay if it was a, uh, uh, I don't know. They the fight should have been over. The fight was over. As far as I was concerned, the fight was over. And it's yeah. not really even right to do to Jessica Rose Clark after looking at her and then bringing her back in and making her just beat the ever living shit out of somebody right. who basically defenseless man i mean that's not you know like you these guys are there to fight it's a competitive thing it's a sport uh that's bordering on just out <laughs> maliciousness you know what i mean yeah. like when you're you not take you know so i it's i didn't even like them putting her in that position i agree you know i what thought I mean? jessica rose clark looked outstanding and instead we spent phenomenal. a lot of time talking right. about this and the finishing sequence yeah. and for Sarah Alpar she's got three weeks to heal before her wedding by the way so uh god love her showing so up you wanted to marry a fighter right yeah exactly <laughs> so we have only a few minutes left with you Ray I wanted to get to uh, the Ryan Span Johnny Walker fight and then time permitting some other performances. Safe Saud is one of my dear friends, the Fortis MMA head coach. I think he was a little bit upset that we did not acknowledge those elbows as maybe borderline uh, when Johnny Walker was able to finish Ryan Span. I thought they looked clean in real time. I still stand by the call. Uh, Ken Flo, I'll start with you. 
disappointing conclusion to this one for Ryan Spann, who obviously had a couple of knockdowns there. But Johnny Walker endures under the new head coach, John Cavanaugh, and, and get the nice one. That was the most Johnny Walker thing that could have happened. Right, right, I mean, right. it was just a classic kind of weird fight. Um, I think John Jones kind of summed it up well. He said, nice bar fight, bro, or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, you know, Johnny Walker is just not a technical fighter and still kind of hasn't uh, made certain adjustments that you'd like to see in a guy who is as physically gifted as he is. Um, it went from span uh you know, almost getting the knockout, and then he rushed in foolishly only to get knocked out himself. And he did exactly what you shouldn't do. Um, again, and for a guy who has a lot of experience, I thought he should have um, been a little bit more composed or a lot more composed uh, as he went in for the kill. So unfortunate for Span Johnny Walker, again, kudos to him at least for, for showing the toughness to hang in there, readjust, uh, and land those shots. To me, uh, I agree with you, John. It looked like those were legal blows to me on the angles that I saw. Um, so big win for, for Walker as far as, you know, how he was able to come back. But um, y you want to see him get more technical and just make better decisions out there. Uh, and I guess you could say the same for Span. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think Span, fight IQ, not good in that fight. I think he had him. He went in for the takedown. He put himself in that position. Those elbows to the temple are, are nothing short of vicious. And again, you get hit once, you got to abort and do something else. You know what I mean? He stayed in that position, uh, which is confusing. And he shouldn't even have been in that position because he had Johnny Walker out and he should have just kept it striking. And for Johnny Walker... You know, I'll compare him to that to uh, Pereira because they're both like crazy and mad hatters. Pereira looked phenomenal. He showed that he was able to, you know, control a fight and you know put together combinations and show you that he's progressing and he doesn't have to be that. We did not see that from Johnny Walker. He was yeah. the same, you know, uh, exciting fighter. I don't know whatever you want to call him. You know, he didn't make the adjustments and he almost lost that fight. And I think if Ryan Spahn would have made better decisions, he's winning that fight. Regardless, before those elbows even came into play, they should have never even come into play because I think he had him backing up against the cage and then he went for that takedown. And I, again, those elbows you cannot play with, man. I've seen, I think Al was knocked out and woke up one time in a ring of combat fight with that same stuff. Those shots are bad, man. And that everybody should be using them. And everybody else should be avoiding them as much as possible because they're not – it's no joke. So I, I didn't really see anything illegal, but uh, I just know that's a bad shot. Yeah. All right, before we let you go, Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Nico Price fight to a majority draw in the co-main event, Ray. Cerrone is now winless in his last five, just four wins in his last 13 fights. I felt like he looked better defensively. I thought he was moving his head well. He was able to absorb some shots. So I do think there was some good in there. He seemed obviously disappointed because he's not trying to draw with guys. Uh, what are your thoughts on Cerrone and, and his fighting future? That, that seems to be a little bit in question, at least according to some. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, what an entertaining fight that was with those two yeah. guys. I tell you, I get a kick out of Nico Price, man. I, I do too, man. I can't, you can't, you know, like even with the eye pokes, you know, it's not malicious with him. He's, he's just, had a, even when he got eye poked, it was fun. You know, like we both poked each other in the eye. It was almost yeah. like that seen out of remember the old police academy where the the cop would beat up his son they'd start beating the piss out of each other it almost reminded me of that but uh Cerrone did you know look he did last that first round he survived the barrage I thought that was 
the best thing he did. And then he came back with some good stuff. So I think he, he's proven a lot of people wrong. I think his chin held up better than I thought it would in that fight. And again, for Cerrone, it's, you know, how much damage do you want to take at this point? You know what I mean? Do I have enough money to retire or, you know, I mean, he obviously likes to fight, but I think it's coming with a heavy price now. You know what I mean? He's not getting out of any of these fights unscathed. And uh, I think he's got to be careful, but he did he did hang in there and he did come back. And, you know, without those eye pokes, I don't know what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, you know, like, did that really affect him at all? Or, you know, I know I think that's why Nico was happy with a draw, because in his head, he must have been thinking without the eye poke, I won. And I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't I didn't purposely eye poke him. So I'm sure his rationale was he went right to a win in his head. Kenny, what'd you think of the comment? Yeah, you know, I think Ray uh, said a lot of what I thought. Uh, I think that, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, look at the result here. I, I look at the performance and I think Cerrone was way more – um, of his own, of his old self than he was in kind of previous fights. And, you know, the, the losses are one thing, but the performances are, are another thing. Um, I didn't think that he was too flat. Yes. It was a little bit of a slow start yet again for Donald Cerrone. Um, but I, yeah, I thought that he held up well. Um, I know he said he wanted to kick more and just for whatever reason, he just didn't. Um, I, you got to think that I think some of his training habits are, are maybe catching up with him a little bit uh, that, Again, you do what you you're gonna do in the fight what you do in training, and I think that um, those things might be catching up with Donald. Maybe he needs a new coach injected into the situation, or whatever it is. But you know, how do you hate either of those guys? Both those guys oh. just love to fight. They love deliver to deliver excitement. Um, they delivered an awesome fight. Uh, it was entertaining through and through. And uh, both those guys are just good human beings. If you saw the interview with Megan O'Leary, yeah. I think uh, you know those guys really yeah. showed that in that interview. And, and, and Ray, John, before, I'm go sure ahead. you'll agree with this, John. Like you've met Nico Price, you've interviewed. He's the same guy when you're talking to him as he is in the octagon. Like there's no bullshit about that guy. Oh, is that, that's he's the correct, best. No, we sent him an Anakin Florian podcast Fight Island T-shirt before they were unceremoniously pulled from the shelves. And I will say too, <laughs> I pride myself on being a fun father, right? Like my house is crazy. I'm a lunatic. I'm an idiot at home. Okay, let's be honest, right? My daughter's gonna look back. What was that guy doing? And then they'll they'll know exactly what I was doing. But <laughs> Can you imagine how fun a father Nico Price is? I mean, I don't know why anyone needs five children, yep. but five kids. Yeah, Unbelievable. Five. Can you imagine the well, he, fun? He, it must he's be got that the energy for five. He's got the energy for five kids for sure. No, he does. Yeah, that's a good point. He said, too, he's like, if you think I'm the one doing the distance learning, you're fucking crazy. Like, you think I'm sitting down with my daughter and helping her with her third grade math? Get the fuck out of here. All right, Ray. Hey, we got to go, man, but it's always good to see you. And uh, I look forward to being back stateside, and we'll we'll reconvene next Monday night, my brother. All right, my man. Stay safe over there and take care of the terror for me, please. I'm so, Matt Sarah. If will you be priority find a number real one. place of pizza, will you promise me you'll just stuff it down his throat? Say it for me. I will do that. Right over, the, right underneath the mask. Yeah, All right, buddy. Some, we'll talk to you next get, week. Get some gluten stuff and write gluten free <laughs> on it. Just Sprinkle like, it on them. Sprinkle yeah. it on them. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah. Take it easy. See you, right. Right. guys. Have fun, man. All right, I don't want to keep Joe Osborne from Odd Shark waiting too much longer, Ken Flo, but I want to congratulate Randy Costa out of Taunton, Massachusetts. Great head kick knockout for him and the accompanying bonus. And then Damon Jackson over Mursad Bektich. 
by submission. Damon Jackson is 18, three and one with a no contest. He's won seven of eight. He's a UFC caliber fighter and cardiovascularly. He put himself in position to take a short notice opportunity against someone who's like number 16 or 17 in the world. And the other side of this Ken flow is the Faraz Sahabi trained Mursad Bekdich, who has now lost three in a row on paper. And there are people who, who believe he should have gotten the nod against Dan Ige. You know, that was a fight that happened back in February, but Bekdich man, you know, all the GSP comparisons, this guy was, was thought by many to be destined for greatness. And it just speaks to the ruthlessness of this sport and this division that all of a sudden he wakes up and his Wikipedia page has got three red stripes on it this morning. Again, it's a testament to just how difficult this sport is. Um, you know, you zig when you should have zagged and that's it. Uh, you know, you, you got an L by your name and for, for Bekdich, I think he was doing a good job of keeping the pressure but he did not pace himself properly. He, I, you know, you got to know yourself and you got to know the speed at which you're supposed to be going here. And I, I just felt like maybe he was disrespecting um, Damon Jackson a little bit. Uh, Jackson is tough as hell, tough as nails, hung in there, uh, was attacking with those guillotines throughout the fight. Uh, and then Bechtick ended up getting caught again. You know, it, yes, he was winning the fight. But you can still be making mistakes even though you're winning the fight, and you better be making those adjustments even if you're winning the fight. And it seemed like Bechtick just kind of had blinders on, kept doing the same exact thing. There was nothing yeah. uh, you know, that he was going to switch up, and he paid for it. Damon Jackson was the one who ended up making the proper adjustments uh, as far as finishing the, the, that technique and uh, got the win and showed a hell of a lot of heart in that process. And the fact that he's a huge featherweight and made that weight, that was yeah. impressive. Doing it in three, four days notice, that was impressive. Coming back the way he did, I mean, w what else can yeah. you say? That, that, right. that was pretty awesome, man. And I'm glad you highlighted making weight because that might have been the most impressive thing he did, right, in putting himself in position. And then, yeah, I mean, the the fresher guy at the end of the fight, and Saif Saud deserves a lot of credit. You know, Damon Jackson hasn't missed a training session, and here he is back in the UFC, and uh, big payday for him, and we congratulate a good man there. All right, a lot to get to on UFC 253, Adesani versus Costa coming up here on UFC Fight Island this weekend. Let us get to the pick to click. Time now for the pick to click. The pick to click. All I have to do is bet on the winner, and I'll never lose. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, the pick to click for UFC 253 is brought to you by OddsShark.com. OddsShark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to OddsShark and start playing like a shark today. It's OddsShark.com. Don't forget the second S. And now joining us, a sports betting analyst for OddsShark.com. I'm tailing this guy all day on Instagram now. You can find him at Paper Chaser Joe. Joe Osborne is with us. My man, Joel, it's good to see you. Dude, I love the energy you're bringing on guys and bets and on Instagram. I mean, you get me right in with that just ball of energy right out of the shoe. Well, guys, you know, now is the time completely just overwhelmed with sports, which means I'm overwhelmed with work, but that means I'm overwhelmed with happiness. You know, the first part right, of the summer, when, the first part of the summer when we didn't have, and you know, the tail end of spring there too, when we didn't have these seven day a week sports, we just had the weekend sports to get us through, you know, thankfully uh, the UFC NASCAR and a little bit of golf were there for us on the weekends, but you know, you can only watch home much Netflix, uh, you know, Monday yeah. through Friday type of thing. So that got old pretty quick. So, uh, you know, full throttle here, uh, 
right through uh, the rest of the NFL season. You know, this is absolutely insane. The NBA is peaking right now. NHL, Stanley Cup Finals, uh, Major League Baseball, final week of the regular season. Then we're going to get into their expanded playoffs. NFL, week three, college football ramping up. UFC, Fight Island, of course. So this is just outrageous. I love it. It really is. It's as good as it gets. It means a lot of deposits for me because I'm not on a good stretch <laughs> And by the way, at JTFOZ on Twitter, uh, you'll find a lot of Joe's content and a lot of free plays out there from a very sharp guy. I know you're waiting on some props now to be released for uh, some of the USC 253 matchups, but your appetite for this main event obviously is as healthy as ours. It's Israel Adesanya and Paolo Costa. Right now, Adesanya in the minus 165 range, Costa around plus 145, depending on where you're looking. But for you, wherein lies the value on this headliner and will you have a play? Uh, I have two plays. There's two spots that I like in this fight, actually. So aside and the total and, you know, like a lot of people out there, when a big fight is first announced, you kind of play odds maker a little bit. Right. And I thought to myself, if Adesanya, I was guessing he would be anywhere between minus 180, minus 160. And here we are at minus 165. So I think that's a fair number. And I'm going to bet on him. Now, you guys don't need me to sit here and gush over this guy and tell you how great he is regurgitate you know what everyone else is going to say this week it's all true you know he's a very special talent but this pick it's just as much a fade of costa as it is a support of adesanya so we know costa he has kind of this style uh take a punch to land a punch and this that's a god-awful approach versus a guy like uh adesanya you know he has that that con mcgregor like touch of death if he hits you in the right spot right, he's gonna right. turn you right off and Costa, he's full throttle from the opening bell, right? And we've seen this kind of work against him. It works for him against kind of lower level fighters, but, you know, he fades a little bit and it affects his cardio. And in turn, it does affect his defense. So check out these numbers in his uh, most recent fight versus Yoel Romero, where that, that fight was just full throttle first from the opening bell to, uh, to the end of the third round. First round, he absorbed 32 significant strikes. Second round, he absorbed 40 significant strikes. Third round, he absorbed 53. So the longer the fight goes, he tends to get worse defensively. Now, that's just a small sample size, but we don't have a whole lot to work off of uh, with Costa here. So uh, the longer fight, I think, it favors Adesanya. So the key for him, I think, it's going to be to get out of the first round. That's easier said than done, right? But I think if he can use uh, that 80-inch that reach that he has and that I keep a little bit of distance. I think that's going to work in his favor. So my favorite bet for this fight, I think, and this is the best value, the over-under rounds is set at two and a half. And I like the over coming yeah. in at minus 125. So first of all, an organizational-wide trend that really caught my attention here for the UFC. So there's been 13 title fights in the UFC in 2020 so far. Nine of those went over the two and a half round mark. Also, wow. 11 of the last 14 non-title main events have also gone over the two-and-a-half round mark. So what's the deal with that? And I think it's it's real common sense here. If you're in a UFC main event, you're probably a pretty good fighter, and you're probably one of the best in your weight class. So with that said, you're going to be hard to put away inside of the 12-and-a-half-minute mark. So it kind of makes sense that, you know, when it's the best fighting the best, yeah. that they're going to have uh, longer fights and, you know— uh, you're not going to see uh, a person get their ass kicked early, essentially. Now, we do see that from time to time, but when it's best versus the best, tends to be a bit of a longer fight. So that said, uh, that's an organizational-wide trend. You still have to look at uh, each matchup 
individually. And I think this kind of applies to this one. So what's obvious going into this fight? Well, both guys are undefeated. Neither of them has ever been finished in their uh, professional career. And even you look at Adesanya, his uh, professional kickboxing career, 80 fights, he was KO'd once. Right. I don't have a calculator, but that's a pretty small percentage right there. And, you know, you look at Adesanya's uh, in the UFC so far. He has eight fights. He's gone to decision five times, including three separate decisions in five-round fights. He tends to start a little bit slow. I don't know if he's going to have the luxury of that feeling-out process versus Costa here, but maybe Costa might uh, change his game plan a little bit too. So I like the value on that over two-and-a-half at minus 125. I like the way you set that up because I had someone say to me recently, I'm so sick of getting burned on these main event decisions. I'm just going to start betting on every UFC main event to go over whatever the round total is, two and a half, three and a half, four and a half. But it's interesting for you to sort of provide that organizational backdrop, because for me, as a guy who sort of boots on the ground for all these shows, that mm -hmm. that sort of aligns with what I'm watching. All right. Before we let you go, I know you're on the Raiders on Monday Night Football tonight, as am I, plus five and a half in the Circa Millions competition. Uh, Capper Cup, by the way, live on OddShark.com. But as you look ahead to week three, anything that jumps off the board so I can put my bet down as soon as we get off the air. Yeah, first of all, uh, a very interesting league-wide trend to share in the NFL going into week three. So over the last four seasons, teams that start 0-2 ATS are a combined 22-7 ATS in week three. So who does this apply to this week? The Jets, Browns, Titans, Texans, Cowboys, Eagles, Lions, Vikings, and Panthers. Now, who wants to put a bet in on the Jets, right? Who wants to put a bet in on the Texans, right? Who wants right. to put a bet in on the, uh, the Lions, the Vikings? But, you know, usually uh, if you feel very comfortable with your NFL bets, you, those ones usually don't work out very well for you, right? Like ask anyone uh, who bet on the Chiefs going into the game against the Chargers. They probably had a whole lot oh. of confidence going into that one. I was lucky. I had them on a teaser. So I was very lucky. I kind of got away uh, a little bit lucky on that one. So, you know, you take a look at a team like the Jets, who I probably won't be betting on, but they're up to the biggest uh, underdog of the week, plus 11 versus a Colts team. That got upset by the Jaguars in week one, right? right so the right. NFL, it's a week-to-week -week league, right? So it's very unpredictable. But just one second. Need a drink of water. Again, oh, you take here. your time, bro. You take your time. So the Battle of Florida here, John. Thursday night football, the sexiest game of the week. Dolphins-Jags, right? Right, right. And uh, I think the Dolphins are being undervalued here at plus three. So... Look at the competition Miami has faced so far this season. Two of the top five defenses from last season. I don't think a lot of people expected them to win in New England in week one, right, against Belichick. And then uh, maybe a little bit of a coin flip game that they could have won versus Buffalo sure. in week two there at home. That was a very close game. Now the Jags, you got to give them credit, a bit of a surprise start, but we've had the wool pulled over our eyes before by the mid-shoe magic, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So when you are at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a touch overwhelmed. Perhaps you're not showing up the way that you would like to. I can certainly relate. You know, there's a phrase in the song, there's no business like show business, and it says there's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. And for me, being in the public eye has been challenging, at least in terms of always projecting happiness when perhaps that's not how I'm feeling. Well, whatever your situation, working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. And when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws your way. 
For me, it's imperative that I'm my best self in order to just perform at a high level. And when I don't feel that way, BetterHelp is a great option and a great resource for therapy. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. That gets you matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch out anytime for no additional charge if you're not happy. For me, I'm on the road about 119 years, so being able to connect with someone remotely was absolutely huge for me. And my mindset really candidly has changed for the better. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Florian today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Florian. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Oh, I've been waiting for this main event challenge for a long time. And today it's sponsored by DraftKings. Man, is it great to have football back? Fortunately, the season is just getting started. And it can be said there is no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports. And to add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. So if you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store right now because you don't want to miss this. And for guys like me, this is just a great way to have action. It's pretty simple. Draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, see how your team stacks up with your friends, the other competition. And I can assure you the games are going to be a lot more compelling when you have a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. DraftKings has actually paid out billions to winners dating to 2012. So they know a thing or two, not unlike Ian Parker, about cold, hard cash. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code AFPOD. And for a limited time, new users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the week three action. Enter code AFPOD. To get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit, that's code AFPOD, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. And it is time to make some picks for UFC 253 as we call on the duck, Ian Parker. Before we get there, we need to hear the pronunciation of the week, Cody Merrow. This guy is fighting Hakeem Dawadu in the featherweight main card opener on pay-per-view. Of whom am I speaking, Cody Merrow? You are speaking of Zubaira Tahugov. Pretty close. Let's hear how he says it. So Cody falls to one and two. You said Zubaira. It's Zubera. Ken Flo, am I am I uh, am I pulling hairs here? Splitting well, I, hairs here? I agree. I agree with you, man. I, re- okay. I agree right. with you. Co- Cody's right. got some work to do the next couple of weeks. Cody, He'll be back. Your He'll thoughts? be back. I ain't got nothing to say. I mean, Kenny says I'm wrong. That's all it is. Got to be better next time. All right. Here to four, Ken Flo's scorecard is the only one that matters for the pronunciation of the week. We win or we learn. The Duck. It is nice to see you, my friend. I wish I was there in South Florida. I'm here in Abu Dhabi. It is 3.16 a.m. How you doing? It's not 3.16 here, but uh, no, you know what? Weather's a little nice. Uh, <laughs> it stopped raining a few minutes ago, and I'm really looking forward to hear the uh, the new scores of the main event challenge. So why don't we get well, to Well, let's that? get to it. We will update <laughs> it. So Team Florian led it 115-113, but Team Anik 
with our captain, Ian Parker. Wins the week 7-4. to four. The big hits. You both had Hamzat Shimaya by TKO, but Ian had round one, so an extra point there. And no. you also had Colby Covington. Again, Ken Flo just keeps picking his friends no matter what he thinks of the matchup. I love you, Ken Flo. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> all right. So it is 120 to 119 as Team Anik regains control of the board. Nicely done, Ian. And that means Ken Flo is going to lead the dance on the first fight this week. Main card opener, opener at featherweight. What a contest this could be. Zubera to Hugo, minus 115. Slightly favored for our purposes against Hakeem Dawadu, who is minus 105. So you got just one loss in six UFC fights, all told for Tahugov. Stopped Kevin Aguilar back in February before COVID-19 intervened. On the other side, Flo, Canada could really use a Dawadu win. It's been a rough stretch for our UFC friends in the Great White North. What do you think here? Dawadu's won four straight. How does he match up with Tahuga? You know, I think this is a really interesting fight, and I definitely think it's going to deliver excitement, uh, you know, excitement-wise. I think both guys are going to go for it. Uh, Dawadu, though, I think he's going to struggle if this fight goes to the mat. Uh, I think Zubera is going to be able to, uh, you know, either get a submission there or be effective with his ground and pound. So I like the Russian in this fight. All right, Ian, what do you think about the uh, pay-per-view opener, my friend? I'm going opposite. I'm going to want to do, uh, I think, Zubera <laughs> in the <laughs> I definitely pronounced that wrong. I love no, when no. you I love when you talk about Hakeem Dawadu fights and you say, like, do want to do. You sound like I a fucking Dawadu, Flintstone. You know what? I was going to go just Hakeem, but I was so confident that if I go fast, <laughs> you wouldn't pick up on it. You weren't even uh, fucking looking at me, and you kicked me off right there. John, I got us back in the lead. I think I get, like, a thing. Yes. Whoa, what the fuck was that? Uh, sorry, I got a pool club about to hit me in the head. So... <laughs> I think Hakeem, this is a good fight for him with Zubera. He's only fought three times in the last three years and he's got one, one and one. Right. And that one fight where he went to a draw, I actually thought he lost that fight. I thought that was a poorly scored fight. I think with Hakeem, the only problem is that he starts off a little slow. That last fight, that first round did not go his way. He did pick it up with the leg kicks. I think here, if he could keep the fight standing, he's got the better striking. I think he's got more power. Zubera does not take these fights to the ground as much as he should until he's in trouble. And I think if he gets in trouble in this fight, he goes lights out. So I'm going Hakeem in this one. Not even trying for that last name again. All right. Don't want to shortchange these next two pay-per-view fights, but with two title fights on the back end, the less time you'd go on these fights, the more you'll have for the title fights, gentlemen. At Bantamweight, Sajara Eubanks, the plus 150 dog, stepping in for Marion Renault against Ketlin Vieta. Vieta, the minus 170 favorite. So Eubanks, Ian, just won a fight 10 days ago against Julia Avila. Your thoughts on the quick turn here for Sarge? Yeah, I understand that she came, you know, she won, didn't take any damage. I think this is a different demon, though. I think you got a Ketlin Vera who's going to come out really angry, really mean. I think she's a lot stronger on the ground. Good grappler has fought really good grapplers in Sarah McMahon and in Kajangano. So I'm going to go Ketlin Vera here. All right. Ketlin Vieta, the pick to click for Ian Parker. She's only had one pro loss. Ken Flo. It did come in her last fight against Irene Aldana. She was knocked out in round one last year. She'll try to bounce back here against the uh, Springfield, Massachusetts born Sajara Eubanks. What do you think, Flo? Yeah, listen, I think Aldana was a very tough matchup for Vieira the last time out. Um, I don't think it's the same kind of matchup here against Eubanks. I, I think uh, Sajara is very tough. I think that she's a solid grappler. She's been getting a lot of momentum and staying active and all that stuff. Uh, but I just think that Ketlin is just a little bit too well-rounded. Uh, and she's got the ground game and the wrestling, I think, to uh, keep the fight where she needs to have it. So uh, I like Vieira here by, by – by, no, maybe not finished, but by decision. All right, next up, featured bout on pay-per-view at 125 pounds. Sees City Kickboxing's Kai Kata France entrenched here as a minus 230 betting favorite. He takes on Brandon Royval, who's plus 190. 
Ian, six UFC start here for Kai Kata France, all inside of two years. What do you think about this spot here against Brandon Royball? I love Kai Kata France in this fight. I think this is a tailor-made matchup for him. I think with Brandon Royball, if that's how you pronounce it, I'm always now second-guessing myself. Royball. 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 Got it. Royball. Um, His last fight against Tim Elliott, you know, I think he kind of lucked out, and Tim Elliott beat Tim Elliott in that one. I don't think here he's finding a guy that makes any mistakes. I think he fights a very sound kickboxer with great cardio. I like Kai Kara France here a lot. Probably is one of my locks of the night, to be honest. Ken Flo, Roy Vall, that win in his UFC debut by submission against Tim Elliott was not all that long ago on May 30th. In this coronavirus climate, what do you think about this one at Flyweight, Kid? Uh, listen, I, I agree with Ian as far as the pick. I don't think uh, I'm as confident as he is, though. I think Royval uh, definitely has some skills. I think he's game. Um, I think he's scrappy. Um, and I, I think he's probably the better fighter on the ground, I think, as far as submissions go. But I agree with Ian that uh, Kai Kara France is one of those guys that doesn't make a whole lot of uh, mistakes. He's a very disciplined fighter. Uh, has really matured uh, in the UFC, I, th- I feel like, a little bit more. And um, I-, I like him to win by decision as well. All right, next up, co-main event for the vacant light heavyweight title. The fight nobody's talking about because the main event is so goddamn good. Dominic Reyes minus 260, taking on Jan Bohovic, who is plus 220. I'll set it up a little bit for you fellas. And then we will have Ken Flo lead here. So Reyes came up just short, of course, against John Jones back in February, a fight many people thought he won. He did express some frustration, Kenny, that he only had about five weeks to prepare for this title fight. So not trying to admit or dismiss that as evidence necessarily, but he did express that publicly. Uh, the title shot here comes against Poland's Jan Bohovich, who continues to get better, man, despite being 37 years old. A four straight win here would give Poland its second UFC champion. What do you think about Bohovic as the plus 220 dog here against Dominic Reyes? Man, I think Jan uh, is a really tough dude. Um, I, I just don't like the fact that he does get hit a lot or can get hit a lot in his fights. I think that if he can make this fight a little bit more scrappier, if he can make it more of a brawl, uh, I like his chances. I just don't think Reyes is going to play that game. I think he's going to go out there, utilize that jab, uh, try to keep uh, Blahovich on the outside, uh, and look look for a chance to try to land that cross that he throws so well, whether it's moving forward or moving back. Um, I think Reyes is going to outpoint um, Blahovich through, throughout this fight, and uh, I like him by decision in this one. All right, Dominic Reyes, the pick for Ken Flo to leave as the UFC light heavyweight champion. Only Americans and Brazilians have ever held the UFC's light heavyweight title. So, Ian, how about this number for you? April 8th, 2017, I walk out of the arena in Buffalo, UFC 210, and Jan Bohovic is 2-4 and four in the UFC, perhaps in danger of being cut. And now look at him, right? He's won 7 of 8. What kind of chance do you give him here? Some people think he's a live underdog. Yeah, it's hard to not say he isn't. I think plus 220 is a little uh, little wild. I didn't see that happening with this fight. But luckily with the main event challenge, we don't have to worry about that too much. So if you want to strip it down to no lines, I do like Dominic Reyes here. I think his athleticism is going to be the big deal here. I really do his cardio as well. Jan Blahovich, you know, the fight against Rockhold, he landed, you know, against Corey Anderson. He landed. As Kenny says to me through text, it's hard to really get an idea of how a guy performs when he lands that one money shot. Right. I think we've seen just more out of Dominic Reyes overall in the greater landscape than we've seen Jan Blahovich. And I just think that Reyes is the real deal. I think he's done what everyone's asked him to do. 
the John Jones fight. I think we all were really looking forward to that rematch to seeing if he really decisively would have beat John. So for that reason, I'm also going Dominic Reyes. I don't see either guy finishing the other. So I'm also going decision. All right, that brings us to the main event for the undisputed UFC middleweight championship. I kind of want to just get really fucking loud as I set this fight up, but I don't <laughs> want to wake anybody. Israel Adesanya, minus 165. Paolo Costa is plus 145. At Pod poll results, about 4,000 votes prior to air today. 63.1% of you believe Paolo Costa will become the new champ. 36.9% on Adesanya. Second title defense for Izzy He'll tell you it's the third, of course, because he did have that interim belt going into the Whitaker fight. But Costa's UFC career, Ian, it's been defined by power, ferocity, but also inactivity. He's fought just twice since competing three times in his first year on the roster back in 2017. So the matchup seems too good to be true. It's 13 and 0 versus 19 and 0. Ultimately, we need to pick Ian Parker. Which way are you going? I actually am quite surprised that the voters, uh, the fans, are going that heavy on Paulo Costa. I think it's kind of weird. Israel Adesanya has decisively beaten everybody's fight, except the Romero fight. We all know that was a little funky, obviously. Look, Paulo Costa in that fight against Romero, people are kind of looking at it based on what I'm reading. Like, oh, he didn't get taken down so easy. He took his best shot. He also fought really not intelligently in that fight. It was more of who was going to go down first. It was just a really tough guy, jacked up muscle version of Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Adesanya is going to be the way more skilled striker. He's going to be the way more intellectual fighter in this fight. Strategy-wise, everything. You know, I don't think Paul Costa is going to take him to the ground. I, I think bull rushing someone like Adesanya. Look, Adesanya has been kickboxing for how long? You don't think he's seen someone like this before? I know everyone takes a look at Costa and says, man, how does he get to 185? Shit, I want to know how he gets to 185 and feels good. But something about this fight, I think people are blowing the power thing way out of proportion. Also, act like Izzy can't take a shot. You know, I don't know where everyone's getting this information from. It's not a knock on Paul Costa. I would have liked to have seen him fight Jared Cannon here before this fight, to be honest with you. I would have liked to see him fight maybe one or two more. I know the schedule and the hype and the rivalry, even though maybe it was a marketing thing, but... I don't see Adesanya losing this fight anywhere. Unless he gets knocked out, I really don't see that happening. I just think he's too smart. I don't, emotional-wise, he doesn't get too invested once the fight happens. And I think he's going to win by decision. Ken Flo, I'm a lot higher on Paolo Costa than Ian Parker. I agree with parts of that analysis, but I would respectfully disagree when it comes to this championship opportunity. I think this Brazilian is ready. As to whether or not he capitalizes, I don't know. But Ken Flo, your thoughts on the, on the UFC middleweight title fight and ultimately who you think wins it? You know, I think Paulo Costa, uh, he's going to come in with a style that is always going to be dangerous for anyone. I just think that, um, you know, a, a lot of what he throws, in my opinion, are, are kind of more arm punches. It doesn't mean he can't knock you out, and it doesn't mean he's not uh, going to hurt you. But, you know, if, if you're knocking out guys like Uriah Hall, you know, a, a Johnny Hendricks that was past his prime, uh, Bamboche, you know— uh, those aren't the kind of guys that I go, okay, well, listen, we need to be paying attention to Paulo Costa here. And it's no offense to those other guys. Just we haven't seen Paulo Costa face high level guys and knock them out. His fight against Joel Romero was awesome. It was impressive as hell. Uh, but um, I just don't like the way he matches up against someone like Israel Adesanya, who is the consummate counter striker. You get a guy in Paulo Costa who's going to move forward. That's why Adesanya is licking his lips, in my opinion. I, I think he's super excited about that matchup. Um, he's facing an undefeated fighter who everyone's very hyped on. Uh, but I think he's he's 
going to get set up to look very good after this fight. In my opinion, I like Adesanya by round one knockout. Um, and, wow. uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to, he's going to look very good and he's going to be an even bigger superstar than he is. Absolutely incredible. And I will add to the conversation that most of the sharps like Ken Phil, like Ian Parker, Yanni, the Greek, Joe Osborne, all the sharps are on Israel Adesanya. I don't know where this is going to close. Most of those sharp minds believe that it was improperly priced, even though Osborne thought it was properly priced. But 63% of our listeners like Paolo Costa. So we shall see on Saturday night on social media. He is at Ian Parker MMA. It's nice to see you, Duck. Go channel your inner Hamzat Shimaev and hit a heavy bag, and we'll see you in a couple weeks, huh? Oh, dude, my man. Can I just say something about that insane demon real quick before I leave? Um, yep. I think, I, listen, I really hope that Damien – I'm surprised we didn't get a report that Damien Maia didn't test positive for COVID yet to save him from this fight. This is not something they should do to that man. The guy is 40. Let him fight someone in a Legends fight. Don't let him – get put to sleep literally by this insane beast Chimaev. let Chimaev fight mike perry let him fight a michelle fajeda let him fight someone that is not going to be afraid to come forward and swing i'm telling you yeah. this kid is something special but let's get him some matches with some names now because gm3 was it was a good overall fighter go around i mean listen one punch one punch we didn't even get to see anything else that sound john i gotta ask you and i promise i'll let you go sitting there no fans no nothing did that punch make you throw up when you heard this? It was insane. It was insane. I mean, no, I was no, like this man. low on the table. I was just like, oh, 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 oh. I'm getting you paid for this. You know what I was waiting for? I was, I was waiting for Kane to be like, how does coach let them get hit like that? Good stuff, All buddy. Right. Enjoy the, uh, enjoy the pay-per-view. I'll see you in South Florida on the mitts next week. Okay. You got it, bro. Later guys. All right. Ian Parker with us for the main event challenge. All right. As many of you know, before we get out of here, Cody and I are going head to head this NFL season. Loser takes five shots of an alcohol of the winners choosing in 20 minutes live on the air. So Anik was one and zero. Merrill was zero and one going into week two. I gave you another winner on the Seattle Seahawks minus four to move to two and zero. Cody and I also love Jacksonville. Was plus eleven when we were on the air and they cashed easily at the closing number plus seven and a half. Cody gave you the Ravens minus six and a half. An outstanding play that cash with relative ease. So team attic two and zero. Marrow is one and one. Mr. Marrow, who do you have in week three, kid? Well, I'm going to recover here from failing on the damn pronunciation of the week because of Kenny. But damn, man, <laughs> I mean, if, if these eyes and this smile can't get this by, maybe we bring on, you know, Heidi or something to start doing the the judging because I, I can't buy a win from Kenny. So maybe it's a New England thing. Anyway, Arizona Cardinals minus five and a half, John. I'm not going to sit here and rest on the spread numbers again. They're 2-0 against the spread. Detroit's 0-2 against the spread. Not where my data comes from today. Detroit ranks in the bottom five for both defensive yards per game and opposing points per game, 28th and 30th respectively. Arizona, top six in both of rushing and passing categories. They're top five in rushing, top six in passing yards per game. I think you see a great offense here. Sophomore Kyler Murray, just incredible with new up DeAndre Hopkins. I think you're going to see more yeah. of the same. Matt Patricia, what are you doing? Former Patriot, you're in the Bill Belichick oh. coaching tree. You're not making us look good. So Cardinals minus oh. five and a half. All right, Cody likes the Arizona Cardinals behind Kyler Murray minus five and a half. All right, so I'm going to say to listeners right now, I'm doing this because I want to see Cody get drunk on the air, but I did not watch a single NFL snap. I was in the air the entire time. So if you're looking to follow this bet you may want to fade it uh but i did look at the board and i like the atlanta falcons minus three home to the bears two and oh team here is the underdog against the zero and two team but i think dan quinn is coaching for his job this weekend 
And I just don't see the Chicago offense keeping up with Atlanta's. I really don't. I like the Dirty Birds to win by four or more. Falcons minus three, my pick to click for week three. Also kind of like the Packers plus four at the Saints who play tonight on Monday Night Football. All right, we got to get on out of here. Thank you to our guests, Ray Longo, Ian Parker, Joe Osborne. Our producer is Cody Mero. Of course, next week, right when we get back from Flight Island, we'll get you a new episode, full recap of UFC 253, Boha or the last style better. We'll see who is the middleweight champion by next Monday. Also, don't forget our new video only offering. It's called Remember the Show, starring UFC welterweight contender. Bilal, remember the name Muhammad. Also, my identical twin brother, Jason Anna. Cody is along for the ride, and they're live live. Every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel. And they might even have Ken Flo as a guest this week. So hopefully you can tune in for that. With all of that, for the man, Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening, watching, subscribing. Your support does not go unnoticed. AnikFlorianPodcast.com for merchandise and so very much more. Until next week, enjoy the flights. Don't text and drive. Yo, later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.